Welcome back to the 12th House Podcast. I'm Michelle, your host and the head witch in charge here. And today I'm going to talk about Ease. Hmm, Ease. I don't know her. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I kind of know her. I think that actually makes me potentially a very good teacher on the idea and topic of ease because I'm like not an easy person and have never like chosen the easy way, you know, conventionally on my path. Definitely up until like the last five years, I certainly never picked the easy way. Never, ever, 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 ever. And I guess that's just my nature. So learning how to use and choose ease has been really difficult, but maybe that can make me a good teacher at it, of it. Because you know how there are like some teachers out there who are just like naturally gifted at what they do? Like, oh, have you ever had a math teacher who just could do like any calculation in their head? And then you're like struck crying over your algebra two, like math test. And they're like, why don't you get it? (laughs) you can do the numbers in your head. I can barely add. Like, why are you yelling at me? Just explain it. Just like teach it in a good way. You know what I mean? Is that just a singular experience that I had? I used to brown out in my math classes. This is a tangent, but we're going to go on it. I have epilepsy and I didn't know that I have petite mal and grand mal seizures. So, or I used to. Grand mal seizures are the crazy ones where, you know, the ones you see on Grey's Anatomy where someone's shaking and it's scary. Petite mal seizures are where you basically like brown out or you're sitting and you like your eyes glaze over and you look like you're present, but you're not. And that used to happen to me all the time. And it turns out stress is a trigger and lack of sleep. And that used to happen to me all the time, and especially in my math classes, where I would like come to and I would have no notes. I thought that that was what zoning out was. <laughs> like when people said they zoned out, I was like, oh yeah, I zone out. I always zone out. Like, yeah, I, I totally get that. No, no, I was just having seizures. <laughs> and yeah, that happened to me. Math was very stressful to me. And it would happen a lot in math class, which is, it's funny now in hindsight, not so funny at the time when I started having grand mal seizures and they were like, have you ever had these things? And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I've had this. So anyways, I don't know if anyone else has had that experience where you're not good at something. You're not, 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 it's not clicking for you naturally. And your teacher gets it and they can't like dumb it down for you or they can't like explain it to you because their brain works differently than you. And that's so frustrating. And I think the best teachers are the people who really struggled themselves. Like I think about my dance teachers, the best dance teachers I had were not the ones with the most beautiful lines who, you know, danced professionally and all these amazing companies because they just were gifted from the womb. They were the people who had, you know, the shorter legs and the shorter arms and biscuits for feet and just like couldn't jump and couldn't turn really well by themselves. Like they weren't born that way. And so they had to learn these tricks. They had to learn technique like from scratch, from the ground up, and they could teach it to other people. So if you had like an iota of sort of like natural giftedness, some sort of natural quality, adding on their their technique spin like made you that much better. And so hopefully I can be that not naturally gifted person who's potentially a really good teacher for you today when I talk about ease. TBD. We'll see what happens by the end of this episode. But I want to talk about finding more ease and creating more ease. And I want to sort of take that high level philosophy or understanding and ground it down in something that's very tangible, 
which is content creation and how we can find more ease in our content. And we've been talking about content over the last couple of weeks because the Profitable Content Creator Lab, which is our course for people who want to make money off of digital products or physical products, content and products goes live on April 19th really soon. So I get this question a lot about making content and it can feel like not only is content your full-time job, (laughs) but you've got like a million other jobs that you're doing and how the fuck are you supposed to keep up with making all the things and doing all the things and sending all the emails and being on Instagram and TikTok and Clubhouse and this, that, and the other thing and the YouTube and and blogging and is anyone even on Facebook anymore? I don't know. And Reddit and like how can you do all these things and reply to all your emails and be with your students or your customers or clients and be with your family? And also, by the way, like, why are you doing all this? Because <laughs> you want to live a life, right? So like, how can you also live your life? Because like, you, we're not here to work. We're not like living to work. We're working to live because capitalism, but how, how do we balance all the things? So I'm hoping to ground this sort of high level conversation in that. But I want to first talk about like the general theory and idea around these and some things that I'm thinking about a lot personally. And I will caveat this by saying, I think I hear often in the wellness space and the positive psychology space and the sort of health and mindset space, people talking about just like, well, just create more ease. It like should be easy release and just like, let it go and take the leap and quit your job and work two hours a day and go live on a, I don't know, like live in your bikini next to a pool and just like things will happen. They're just, they will happen to you naturally or organically. You're just getting in the way and you just need to like stop making things so hard. And while I think that might be well-intentioned, I think it's also somewhat problematic a lot of the time because most of us can't just quit our jobs. Maybe some people can, but I find that And I know that many of the people that give this advice have a lot of of privilege, right? They have the privilege of having one person in particular in the wellness space has like a billion dollar trust fund. (laughs) They are literally, their father is the heir to the Barclays fortune. So, you know, if your dad was a billionaire, it would be a lot easier for you to say, even if you didn't have immediate access to that money, it would be a lot easier for you to say, you know what, quit your job follow your dream. Like just do it right now. Why are you even wasting a second? Just like dive headfirst into it and work two hours a day and don't overdo it because like life will be handed to you or like life always delivers or the universe always delivers and the universe always takes care of us. And I get why that person would say that because that's true for them. Not everyone has the same situation. I would say very, it's very rare that most people have a billionaire father. So most people don't have that situation. And I don't want to make that person wrong because that's the truth for them. But I think that when they say these things, it really ignores the fact that many people, we all live within this system and society, right? Where like, we have to pay our rent. We have to put food on the table. We have to, and we typically have to exchange money, dollar dollar bills in order to do that. Right. So it's not actually like the most healthy thing I would argue to just like quit your life and surrender to the universe, nor is it the most practical. And on the flip side of that, I do think it's possible to find more ease in what we do and to work up to more ease and to hold the vision that ease can be in our life and that there's an easy way. There's an easier way. 
I am the queen of making things harder than they need to be. Like my whole life, I've been that type of person who is pounding their head against, you know, the wall in order to get into the room that they want to get into. Right. It's like, I, I wanted to like bulldoze (laughs) through, through the wall. Like, I don't know, Kool-Aid man style, but I was like a tiny little person. So I couldn't like, just, I'd have to chip away at the wall in order to get into the room. And meanwhile, there was like a door right there that I could have just like walked through. (laughs) And that has been like my MO for a lot of my life. And I think that that's probably similar for a lot of people listening out there because I've learned, I'll speak from the eye, that when I work hard, when something's painful, when I really put myself out, then something is worth it. And it's almost not worth it if it's easy. How often have you been told that actually in your life? If it's easy, it's not worth it. Or I don't know, things that are worth having are worth fighting for. I mean, I think we hear that with relationships a lot too. And that's just like toxic. Do you know what I mean? It's not necessarily true across the board. I feel like if we talk about anything and you take away anything from this podcast, it's that there's no like one right way and there's no truth across the board. There is always nuance and complexity. And yeah, (laughs) there's no blanket statement that can really be made about anything. So I learned, you know, that the harder I worked at something, the more painful it was, the more I sort of like flagellated myself to get to achieve the more worth it it was. And while that might've been true because it was so sweet when I got the thing that I wanted, when I worked really hard to get it, it was like, oh, tight. Eventually it just felt empty. You know, like I felt like I worked so hard to get here. Why? Like, I don't even want this thing anymore, or this isn't what I was cut out to be. And I don't know if this is for me. So something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last couple of years since I started holisticism and especially in the last couple of months is choosing these alternate timelines or alternate pathways. Because we know from reading the Akashic records or practicing mysticism or spirituality that there's always another pathway, right? There's another course. There's another potential universe or timeline. And then rather than the one that we're choosing. And there are so many different paths that lead to the same outcome. But often we only see the one path, right? The conventional or the traditional path, which is maybe work really hard, work your ass off, show up two hours before everyone else, leave two hours later than everyone else, just work, 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 grind to get to the finish line, to get to this amazing outcome that you want. And while that is totally true, like that can get you there. There are also other pathways that you can choose. So like we're not making hard work wrong because hard work does work. Like there's the 10,000 hour rule, right? Where the longer you work on something or the longer you practice something, the better you get at it. You become more of an expert. That's undoubtedly true. And there is another potential path. And that might be finding ease and collapsing the timeline. I have been reading this book by Price Pritchett, been studying a lot of his work lately. I read a couple books by him and he talks about quantum leaping and uh, TBD on like whether I believe him or not, because a lot of it is like super fucking vague, but I like the ideas that he's putting out. And one in particular stuck with me of this idea that just because we work harder doesn't mean we're going to get to where we want to go. It just doesn't. Like sometimes it does, but sometimes it doesn't. Think about all the things that you worked really hard towards, but you still failed at. 
I've got I've got a lot of them. <laughs> I've got quite quite a lot. I have a lot of relationships that are that I worked really hard at that still quote unquote failed, right? Or I didn't get the outcome I was hoping for. And in this book by Price Pritchett, he talks about, okay, imagine a fly and a fly like, you know, pounding into a window, right? Trying to fly desperately outside. And it's inside, it's trapped inside, and it's flying, it's like banging its head against this window, and it's flying in so hard, it's beating its little wings. The harder it flies, it's not like more likely that that glass is going to break and that that fly is going to be able to go out the window, right, to freedom. What's more likely is that as the harder it works, the closer it gets to killing itself and dying. And in reality, there's a door right next to that window and the door's open. How many times has this happened to you when you've been in your house and you like, oh, you have a fly or a bee or maybe even a little bird flying inside and trying to desperately to get out and you open the door and you're like, go outside. <laughs> like if the door is right here and that animal does or that insect doesn't understand, right? They keep doing the same thing, hitting themselves against the window or the wall, trying to get free. And the more anxious they get, the harder they work and the harder they work, the more they end up damaging themselves. But the door is always there. And the door is the easy way. And the fly doesn't have to fly harder or faster in order to get out the door. It just needs to pull back from the window and be able to see that the door is there, that there's another option. And that option is actually easier. And how are we the fly in some situations in our lives where we're making things much harder than they need to be because it's the typical way, that's the conventional way, it's the traditional way, it's the only way that we see right now. And if we just were able to sort of zoom out, we potentially would see an easier path, one that didn't cause us to self-flagellate and to self-harm and to stress, one that felt easy and doable and almost almost like unfair because it was so simple. So I've been thinking a lot about that in my life personally of like, wow, where am I making things a lot harder than they need to be? Because I am addicted to hard work and because I've learned that hard work works for me. You know, when I, when I work really hard, I know that that is a pathway to my success, but it's not my only pathway. And I definitely want to have more fluency in making my life easier because that's what I want. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my partner. That's what I want for my children. That's what I want for my team members. I want their lives to be easy. It's what I want for my students. It's what I want for all of us because I don't think that we need to drain our life force just to work and for, to, for what purpose, right? Like we don't need to kill ourselves to burn ourselves alive in order to keep others warm. It's not that's just not the truth. That's not why we're here, I don't think. And I'm not saying that the the easy pathway, the door, is always to quit your job and only work two hours a day, far from it. I think that there are so many pathways that are easier than the ones that we're already choosing. And so I just wonder if you could ask yourself, okay, I'm trying to fly through the window, but where is there an open door? How could I make this easier? And in particular, I keep talking about this with my students, about collapsing timelines. So time is a collective delusion, <laughs> just like money or the stock market that we all buy into, right? We're like, yeah, a minute, a minute, a 60 seconds and time and blah, blah, blah. But like time is not real. Like we, we made up these methods of measuring time, but they're, we know that they're like totally, I don't know. They're like totally subjective. Have you ever like really had to pee? like really bad. How long did a minute last? A minute lasted a hundred years when you really had to pee, right? Or like the best day of your life or the best date ever. Like time flies. 
you know? I've been doing these like four hour deep dive sessions with private clients and where we open up the records and we look at the next 12 months of their business and they're so fun. And every time I'm like four hours, that's going to take so long. And then we're, we're in the last like two minutes of the session. I'm like, ah, my God, <sighs> we need more time together. Time flies. So we know that time is subjective. We've just like, wink, wink, been like, oh yeah, we can measure time, but we really can't. It's a collective delusion. So we can collapse and expand timelines however we want because time is this like flexible thing. So what would it look like if we collapsed our timeline and we made a quantum leap? This is what we're talking about from one place to the next. The cool thing about quantum leaps and quantum physics is that they do not have logic. There is no like, you do this and then you do this and this is the formula. They defy logic and they just happen. And I, one part I love about this book that I'm reading that this author mentions, he says, what if time wanted to collapse? What if the quantum leap wanted to happen and you're the thing standing in the way of it? You're standing in the middle of it, preventing it, pushing against it with both sides, you know, keeping it at an arm's length distance on both sides. And what if you just stepped out of the way, allowed that timeline to collapse and just be easy? What if you're the thing that's making it hard? I was like, fuck, dude, I think you just dragged me. But I made my husband read the book. Like, <laughs> I've been thinking about this so, so much. And where am I standing in the middle? Where am I standing in the way? Sort of stiff arming time and preventing myself from getting to the outcome that I desire. And I think we do this a lot in our work, obviously, <laughs> and in our intuitive businesses. And I want to talk about this in the context of content. So when we're juggling all these platforms that we think we have to be on and that we need to be showing up consistently, and, and we do, you know, we do in order to build community, in order, if you want to get paid, you have to show up on some platforms. You need to sell to people in order to get paid. So people need to know that there's something that you offer them, right? That increases the likelihood, that increases the magic factor, the energy that you'll be able to complete an energetic exchange. But how do we do all the things? And often when I talk to my students or my friends or, you know, people I'm working with, they'll be like, Ugh, I barely have time to like answer my emails and brush my teeth and like be a person. How the fuck am I supposed to make more content? And the answer is don't. You don't make more content. <laughs> That's not like we talk about this in Profitable Content Creator Lab. I don't want you to be like a content house. You're not like a production team. You're a person or a couple people if you're lucky. And you don't have an entire team scripting and writing and making and editing and producing content for you all the time. And you don't need to have that in order to be successful. Like, well, can we do the least and get the most? And what would the least look like? I think we can get away with like making one piece of content a week, one really good piece of content a week and repurposing that across our platforms. So what I mean is you're going to focus on one piece of content. What is your jam? What is like your favorite place to show up and make content? Maybe you're a podcaster. Ding. Maybe you're a YouTuber. I mean, if you're a YouTuber, can you please call me? Because like, I do not know how you do it. <laughs> I'm so impressed. If I had to show up on camera, I would. I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't like it. That's, that's the truth. Or maybe you're a blogger. Maybe you're someone who loves writing. Or maybe there's something else that you love doing. Maybe you're a photographer. And so Instagram is your medium. And okay, great, cool. 
Pick your spot, pick your potion. Where are you going to show up consistently? That's going to be your main form of content. That's going to be sort of like your bread and butter and where your biggest, most juiciest, like the big drop happens. And I want you to make a piece of content every single week. And listen, your your stuff is not going to be good all the time. In fact, your stuff's going to be bad a lot, <laughs> like a lot. But the reason that you show up consistently is because you know you're going to make bad stuff. It's just like we know inevitably that we're going to run out of inspiration or like excitement and drive. That's just what happens, right? There are going to be weeks or even months where you're just like, I cannot get a boner up for what I want to do right now for like for my business. I just can't self-motivate. And people, pros, know that they are going to lose steam. They know that they're going to be uninspired at some point. And instead of being like, oh no, this must mean something. They don't make any meaning of it. They say, okay, great. I know I'm going to be uninspired. So what are my tricks to getting re-inspired? What is going to be in my arsenal to help me like break away from those moments or those times where I'm just like not feeling it so that I can show up and do my job? Because if I don't show up consistently, then I'm out of integrity with myself. I'm out of integrity with my community. And like, I'm not getting better. I have to release the idea of being perfect all the time and like putting the best shit out every single time. That's just not going to happen. We have to stop being so precious and be okay with it being easy. And like sometimes easy is not better. You know, sometimes it means that your content isn't the best. I'm sure we put some podcast episodes out that I was like, oh, this will be easy. And then it maybe didn't hit. You know, that's okay. Not everything does. That's not what matters, right? What matters is showing up consistently because that creates that know, like, and most importantly, trust factor with your community. If you show up every single week, rain or shine, your community knows that they can trust you, that you're not just going to ghost on them, that you're not just going to unplug your website from Squarespace or from, I don't know, from the internet. And like later days, right? You're in it for the long haul. And that's when people invest in you and they trust you. You know, one of the things that we offer with holisticism is you get lifetime access to all of our courses. When you join a course, you get lifetime access and you also get the new version every time we release it, which is insane because our courses are so robust. Like Profitable Content Creator Lab is bananas. It is like a college course. That's how valuable it is. And like if you hired a, someone like me, if you hired me to like teach you this one on one, it would I would. Oh my God, it would be so expensive or a consultant to like do it for you. It'd be tens of thousands of dollars, but because we put it into a course that you can enjoy it at your own time on your own speed and you can take it as many times as you want, we're able to offer it at a much lower rate. But one of the reasons that that's valuable for people is because we show up no matter what. So they know that, well, if something like, it's not like Michelle and the holisticism team are going to disappear in two months. Like they've been here for four years, making a newsletter, making blog posts, making podcasts every single week, no matter what. And that means that I can trust them and they're not just going to like ghost (laughs) and I'm not going to be, you wouldn't be screwed because you'd still have some really great content, but you know that you can rely on us. And so that's really important when you're making your content. In fact, I would say that that's probably more important than like really high quality content is just consistency. And consistency means showing up, but it also means consistency of content typically, like people knowing what they're going to get from you, either knowing what the voice is going to be or what the topic is going to be on or the caliber of the content that you create. 
So I want you to pick one platform or one vertical that you're going to focus on. And that's going to be your jam. That's going to be where you sort of like create your foundation and pick one. If you're like stuck between a bunch, pick your favorite. Where do you like to ingest content the most? Maybe you're like, I only read email newsletters. Okay, great. Guess what? Email is your platform now, baby. So you're going to take your content from that main platform and you're going to repurpose it across your other channels. This does not mean making new content every single week, like inspired by the content that you already created. No, no, no. I, I mean that you're literally going to take sentences and images and sound bites from the piece of content that you make. And you're going to put that on Instagram. You're going to put that on your Facebook ads. You're going to put that on your blog posts. You're going to send that out in an email. And by the way, everyone, you should be emailing your audience every single week. Like I know you don't want to, and I know you don't like hearing it, but if you think about how difficult it is to find some of your favorite creators, especially because we've got lots of creators that we're all following, thousands of creators we're following all across tons of media platforms, you have to assume that people, while they love you, they're not stalking you and, and like literally refreshing your website on Wednesday morning or Friday morning, whenever you post your content, waiting for your blog post to come up. You need to make it really easy for them to say yes to you and easy for them to find you. And so hand delivering an invitation to read your new piece of content by emailing them out. Hey, I wrote this new blog post. I think you're going to love it. Here's what it's about. Click here to go watch it or click here to go go read it. Sending that out via email every week is really, really important. So if you're not doing it, those are the first two things you're going to want to do. Make content consistently on the same platform every week and send out an email every week to your community saying, hey, got this new thing for you. Go check it out. That will change your life. That will change your life. And by the way, that's so easy. If you've been like freaking out, trying to figure out what you want to write in your email newsletter every week, your email every week should take you like five minutes because all it is, is just repurposing the content you've already made. It doesn't have to be hard. It can be if you want to. Like, trust me, I, I picked making a really difficult newsletter for four years. It took me a ton of time. And now we switched over to a newsletter that takes me five minutes to send just because after a certain point, I was getting bored of the newsletter I was writing before. And it's so simple. It can be simple. And guess what? It does just as well. So there you go. So repurposing your content across your platforms is just it's just a no brainer. That's what we want to do. We don't want to make more. More is not better all the time. Sometimes it is, but not all the time. In my mind, better is better. So focus on that one piece of content that you want to make every single week. Even if it's a five minute YouTube video, even if it's a two minute YouTube video or an IGTV video, and then repurpose that content across your platforms. And if you're worried about being redundant or being repetitive, don't be because what you're doing for many of you, if you have a service, so if you have a one-on-one -on -one service or you provide services to groups and you want to create a product, you want to either create like, I don't know, an essential oil blend or a tincture or a digital product like a course or a membership or a Patreon or a paid newsletter, what you need to do is effectively turn create a productized service. So you're taking a service and you're turning it into a product. And the key to doing that is creating a framework around your service because you need to make that service repeatable at scale. And that's, we want to make, if you're a service provider, you want to make a productized service because when you do that, you can reach more people. And when you reach more people, you can help more people. And by the way, when you help more people and you're charging for it, you're probably going to become better resourced because you're helping more people, your offerings are probably a lot more affordable if you're able to put them into a digital course or a membership or a paid newsletter or a Patreon. 
And it's going to provide you as you scale and more people end up joining your community or joining your courses or buying your eBooks or buying your PDFs or whatever it is that you do, that's going to be more money in your bank account. So you can have more ease right? Without doing necessarily more work. And you're still helping people, which is cool. Everyone wins. So we want to turn our service into a product. We want to create a productized service and eventually often we'll create a product, a straight up product. And when we're doing that, we actually, in order to do that, we create a framework, right? We create a formula. We have these pillars of what our business is and sort of what our own unique methodology is, what our own unique perspective is. And so as you create these pillars or like these sort of keynotes or chapters or variables in the formula that you create for your business, for your users to get results, you're going to need to repeat those over and over and over again. So we talk a lot about the four pillars of intuitive business, right? At holisticism, growth, revenue, retention, impact. So that is one of the key pillars of intuitive business that we teach in IWA, in PCCL, in the North Node, in everything that we do. When I work one-on-one with clients, that's the first place that we start. And I'm not going to like, maybe you'll get tired of it, but I don't really care because that is a really important component for you to understand. And I could make endless amounts of content around the four pillars of intuitive business, whether it's just teaching you about them, reiterating them over and over and over again, or diving into a particular aspect of like revenue or growth or retention or impact from an intuitive business perspective. And the more that I say the four pillars of intuitive business and I talk about them, the more you understand that that makes up this ecosystem of what we teach at Holisticism and in the North Node and in intuitive business. And that creates even more credibility in what I do, right? Because I'm we're speaking the same language. So training and teaching your community about the sort of pillars of what you do, the formula or the methodology that you're creating is only going to create more credibility in what you offer. And so you don't need to worry about sounding repetitive or redundant. This is going to become the language that your community is fluent in. And so you want to create fluency with, you know, a healthy amount of repetition. So that's my recommendation for for creating more ease (laughs) is repurpose your fucking content, you guys. And now that you'll, now that I've said it, you'll notice it with the best content creators that they're taking um, something that they put on YouTube, right? And then they're putting up little clips or sneak sneak peeks, or they're mentioning it on their Instagram. And then in their email, they're referring to it. And then maybe they're doing like an IG live with a friend and they're talking around that concept. And Again, like these aren't necessarily like directly pulling 30 seconds from that YouTube clip to talk about with somebody else, but they're not like creating brand new content out of their butt. They're able to riff off of an idea. And so less energy is exerted. It's a lot easier. And it also just is more useful because guess what? We don't ingest content from the creators across every single platform typically. So perhaps someone who listens to this podcast listens to the podcast, but they don't subscribe to our emails and they don't follow us on Instagram. Maybe they follow us on Instagram, but they don't always see us because, hey, algorithms kind of suck. Maybe you are actually listening to this podcast because you came to it from our email that we blast out and you don't even follow the podcast. By the way, follow the podcast. We put out such good stuff. Follow the podcast. You're going to love it. I guarantee it. You're going to like the way you look. I guarantee it. So 
don't be worried about your content being in lots of different places. We all learn in different ways. I am a reader and a listener. I could care less what I see on stories and I could care less what I see on Instagram. I, when I think about my favorite creators, oh my gosh, also don't send me to a video because I fucking hate videos. But I love to read and I love to listen because those are the places that I spend my most the most amount of time. So my favorite creators, I follow their newsletters and I listen to them on podcasts. And most of the time I actually find them through what they're emailing out. So that's my pathway. And that's going to be totally different for me than it is for you. Maybe you're like, oh, I love video. That's like my favorite way to discover people. I go on YouTube every day and I look at what my the channels I subscribe to have just posted and, and awesome. That's great. That's why there's so many amazing content platforms that we can take advantage of. So that's my spiel on making your life easier. I hope that you enjoyed this. I know that I got a little into the esoterics of timeline collapsing, but it's something I'm really, I've seen work in my own life and something that I'm really interested in. And I think something that we do a lot at holisticism and, and I've never exactly put it into words in this way, but I think it's a type of magic and I'm excited by it. So let me know what you think and make sure that you rate, review and subscribe to the 12th house podcast. We love when you give us a review, five-star reviews only. No, I'm just kidding, but really. And also when you leave, oh my God, when you leave a review, it makes our hearts sing. We text the group about it. I text Thais and Janelle and Wallace and we all get excited. So please, we, we so appreciate your feedback and hearing from you and, and when, you sh when you share this with your friends. So thanks for following along. I'll see you next week. And uh, oh, by the way, if you want to join PCCL, We'll put the link in our show notes. Doors officially open on April 19th, but we've got an early bird special. So if you want to join early, snag your spot, you get a steep discount on PCCL. So if you're ready to join today, you can go ahead and join at the link below. And if you're not, that's okay too. You're going to hear a lot more about PCCL in the next couple of weeks. We only open this program once a year from April 19th to April 25th. Then the doors are closed and then we begin class on May 3rd. And it's going to be so fucking fun. Okay. That's it. I love you so much. Thanks for tuning in and see you on the internet. Bye.